Thank you for joining us today at Our Savior's Church, where we are one church meeting in seven different locations. We hope that today's message encourages and empowers you on your spiritual journey and helps you grow deeper in your relationship with God. To learn more about Our Savior's Church and how you can get involved, you can visit us online at OurSavior'sChurch.com. Amen. Good morning. How are y'all doing today? It's hot, y'all. It is hot, so good to have all of you here this morning. If you don't know already, I'm Pastor Scott. Welcome to the Midtown location of Our Savior's Church. Uh, One more time, can we give it up for our first-time guests? You know who you are? Uh, Great to see you. Uh, Last service was packed, saw so many new faces. So, so good to have all of you here today. And so, of course, we are continuing in our message series through the Lord's Prayer, as you see behind me. Um, But before we get into our sermon series, uh, today is a very special day. Uh, It is Child Dedication Sunday. And I love these days because we get to dedicate our young people. The Bible says to be fruitful and multiply. How many of y'all know we're being obedient to that here? (laughs) And the church is growing spiritually, um, but also biologically. And so if you will, uh, please stretch your hands toward the incredible Darby family, Seth and Shelby here with Wesley Ryan. Look at this fella. Oh my gosh. Look look at at that picture, y'all. Oh my goodness, look at that man chow. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. You okay with that hold? Wesley? Okay. All right, well, it's show and tell time, everyone here at Midtown. And so I'm going to just go over here and let me show, let me tell you how cute this guy is. So stretch your hands toward this, this awesome, awesome child. Look at this. Makes you want one more, right? You're like, uh uh-uh, uh, don't even think about it. Okay, well, uh, we're going to pray for the Darbys and for Wesley now. And uh, I want you, if you would, again, stretch your hand here. Father, thank you for this child. Father, we are in your presence now. And Lord, my arms, my hands represent yours. And Father, right now we come before you and we present this beautiful child to you. Here in your presence, before all these incredible people, we stretch our hands toward Wesley and we pray, Father, for the blessing of God to be upon Wesley all the days of his life, Lord. And Father, we pray right now for the goodness and the glory and the mercy of God to follow Wesley. Lord, thank you for this beautiful child. Thank you for the gift of life. Lord, this child reminds us that you are the author of life. You give good gifts, Lord, and we thank you for this good gift. We give them back to you now, Lord. Thank you for these these amazing parents, Father. Thank you, Lord, that this is a godly couple, Lord. They live in your presence. They are going to raise Wesley in your presence, Coram Deo. Father, and I just pray for them now. Lord, I pray for the resources. I pray for everything that they need to raise Wesley in the nurture and in the admonition of the Lord. And so, Father, we lay our hands on them. And God, thank you for the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for community. Lord, thank you for every good thing you've given to them. And so, Father, I pray that Wesley would grow up to serve you. Lord, that Wesley would grow up to be used mightily in your hand. And Father, we pray that Wesley would become born again. Thank you for the first birth. But Lord, we ask that Wesley would be born again at a very young age, that Wesley would serve you all the days of his life, Lord. And so thank you for this couple. Lord, may this moment be a special moment 
Let it be a special moment etched in their memories, Lord. They can look back to this time when Wesley was dedicated to you. And so we thank you for this time. Bless this family. And we pray all these things now in Jesus' awesome name. And everyone said, amen. Come on, one more time. Give it up for the Darby family. Thank you all very much. Seth, we love you. Shelby, thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, well, are y'all ready to get into the Word today? Okay, well, thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, hey, y'all, I heard that it's going to be 107 on Thursday. Did y'all see that in the forecast? Did y'all see that? Um, so with that, in my next Sunday, I'm going to preach on hell. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, eventually we'll get there, but no, for, for now, for a while, we're going to be in this series, uh, of course, on the Lord's Prayer. Y'all see it behind me. And uh, raise your hand if you were here last Sunday, you, you were here for the first message. Okay. Well, if you weren't, if you're out, you can go to OurSaviorsChurch.com, click on Midtown, and you can catch that message online. But go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, and we are going to look at one verse one verse on the Lord's Prayer. Some of you don't believe me because you're used to me preaching many, many verses through, but we're going to look at one verse from the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, and then toward the end, we're going to look at a few other scriptures that will help us uh, make sense of this prayer, and I can't wait to get there. But for now, uh, I want you to lean in for just a few minutes, uh, even before I get to this first verse, and I, I want to just kind of take you back a little bit and give you some context to understand what I'm I'm about to preach to you. And so if you recall from last Sunday, uh, Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 tells us that Jesus went up on the mountain and then he did something that I rarely do when preaching. Uh, he sat down and you, you, you remember what happened next? His disciples what? Came to him. Jesus went up, he sat down, and then his disciples were told, come to him. And so when you think about the Sermon on the Mount, I want, you think, I want you to think about Jesus going up, up on the mountain to give his disciples then and us today a higher way of living. It's a kingdom way of living. And if you remember in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes through and he talks about so many different topics, anger, lust, divorce, retaliation, and, and others as well. But really what I highlighted last Sunday was that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus not only talks about what we do, but he also addresses what? Who remembers? Why we do what we do. He goes up to go down to get to the heart of the matter. Okay, And so last Sunday, if you remember, uh, I led you through Matthew 6, and in Matthew 6, we were told not necessarily so far from that message how to pray, but we're told what? Who remembers? How not to pray, okay? But today we're going to go forward, and we're going to look at Jesus' positive instruction on how to pray. And we're going to look at this first petition from the Lord's Prayer. And here's my hope. Here's my big hope today. My hope is that this message will give you a higher perspective of who God is, and that this message will give you a heightened desire to pray like never before. So like by the time I'm done, if you go home and you think, man, I cannot wait to get with my father to pray, I've done my job. And I hope you already feel that way, but today I want to take us to another level, hopefully by the Word of God, to, to this mindset of I cannot wait to pray. And so with that said, the title of my message is very simply this, 
R-E-S-P-E-C-T. How many of y'all know God deserves our utmost? Come on, Aretha Franklin. Okay, our utmost respect. Let's bow and pray. Father, I pray today that, Lord, you would help us have a greater understanding of who you are. And in doing so, have a greater respect for who you are. And Lord, out of that, I pray that we would be those who want to run to be with you, not away from you, but to run to you, run to you in prayer, run to you to the secret place. And so, Father, come on, let's lift our hands right now, if you will, with me. Let's lift our hands. Father, I pray that you would help us. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would help us. Lord, I pray that every word that's preached today, they're not mine, they're your, they're your words, God. I pray that they would transform, that they would, they would inform, transform, and take us to another level in our relationship with you, Father. And so we pray these things, we ask these things in the name of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. All right, well, um, you're going to hear me say this, this phrase, these words, the Lord's Prayer, many times through this series. Raise your hand if you grew up saying, praying, reciting the Lord's Prayer. Let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. If you didn't, no harm, no foul. Let me see your hands. Keep them high. Okay. So we know this prayer as what? Say it with me. The, the Lord's Prayer. And it's been known as the Lord's Prayer for a long time. And so we're going to stay with that. Okay. But more precisely, um, this is not the Lord's Prayer per se. It's really the disciples' prayer. And what I mean by that is this. Jesus taught his disciples in the Sermon on the Mount how to pray. He didn't give them a, a detailed list of what to pray. He taught them how to pray. And as far as we know, um, well, Jesus probably prayed parts of this prayer. We know that he addressed God as Father because that's who the Father was to the Son. But there was at least one part of this prayer that we know Jesus did not pray. How many of y'all know what that is? Jesus never prayed, forgive us, Father, our debts as we forgive those who are what? Indebted to us. How many of y'all know Jesus never prayed that because Jesus had no debts? Are y'all with me? Jesus had no sin. There was nothing for him to ask forgiveness for, of course, because he was a spotless, blameless Lamb of God, which is really good news. How many of y'all know he was the spotless, blameless lamb who died in your place so you can be righteous today? Okay, so, so we know he didn't pray that part, but there are, I'm sure, parts of this thematically that he used, of course, in his own prayer life. But, but essentially, this is a, a prayer, a model of praying that Jesus gave to his disciples and by extension to us today. So it was for them then, but also for us today. And it is a model of how to pray. So we're going up today, so to speak, with Jesus on the mountain, and we're going to hear from the Son of God. And how many of y'all know there's no one more qualified than the Son of God to teach us how to pray to Father God? If anyone knew how to pray, if anyone knew how to relate to the Father, it was Jesus the Son. And so if you're not there yet, turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. We're going to look at this one line today in detail. And here is what this verse says. Jesus says, pray then like this. Say it with me. Our Father in, in heaven, hallowed be your name. What a beautiful opening line, isn't it? Raise your hand if you've prayed that for years. 
Raise your hand if that takes you back to your childhood, perhaps, when you first heard it. Raise your hand if you say this sometimes at mealtime, bedtime, times of crisis. Okay. Our, uh, he's what? Our, our what? Our Father. Which isn't that an amazing reality, an amazing truth, that we get to call God our what? Our Father. Our Father. He's our Father. He's not just mine. Mine, personally, yes, he's, yes, my, but, but he's our father. And so when we go to God and pray, remember that he's our father. But here's what I want you to see in this. Jesus is not just teaching us how to pray to God. Yes, he's doing that. But really, he's teaching us who God is, and he's teaching us how we are to relate to God in this opening part. Let me ask you all a question. What comes to mind when you think of God? Right now, what comes to mind? Don't say it out loud, but just what comes to mind? What comes into your headspace, into your soul, into your spirit? What comes within? To the, when you think of God, what, what, what rises up? All right, you don't have to say it out loud, but let, let me offer you a thought, and you can test this. The way, the way that we see God will determine the way that we relate to God. Does that make sense? The way you see him will determine the way that you relate to him. So, let me say this. If you see God as your heavenly homeboy, and I hate to even say that, but if you see him as the man upstairs, then you're going to relate to him on that basis. If you see God, perhaps as you saw your, your earthly father, if you see the heavenly father that way, if you had a bad, hard, harsh, mean earthly father, how many of y'all know you're going to have a tendency to view God through that same lens? And so it's very, very important. If you're taking notes to write, please write this down. It's so important for us to see him rightly so that we can relate to him appropriately. It's very important for us to see God for who he is, not through the lens of our experience with other people, because how many of y'all know that's going to really mess some stuff up? But to see him through scripture, to see God for who he is, and then to see him for who he is, and then on that basis then respond and relate to him appropriately from that revelation. Does, is this making sense? And so let me say it this way. The way you see God will determine the way that you relate to God. The way that you perceive him will determine your posture before him. Now, let me unpack this a little bit for you. Let me give you some examples. I think most of you were probably raised from a very young age to, well, relate to people on the basis of who they are. What I mean by that is this. Uh, I relate to my children in a different way than perhaps someone who's elderly or older. In the first service, I used this example. Many of you know Mr. Elijah Carroll. Mr. Elijah Carroll has been around for a very long time. Of course, of course uh, his son is Pastor Nick Carroll, one of my really good friends. But Mr. Elijah Carroll is in his 70s. How many of y'all know I'm going to relate to him differently than I would relate to my son Karsten? I don't walk into the room and see my son Karsten and say, hi, Mr. Karsten. <laughs> I address him by his name because he's my son, but I would never, ever, watch this, I would never walk up to Mr. Lage and walk up and say, 
What's up, Lash? I hate to even say that. It sounds bad coming out of my mouth. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? We, re- we, we love everybody and we, we respect everyone. At least we should. But we relate to people on the basis of who they are. Okay? And so I was taught from a very early age to respect my elders. Were y'all too? Now, I've lived in many different cities. Uh, we've lived in many different cities since we've been married. I've lived, of course, born and raised in Nashville, Tennessee. I lived in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, McKinney, Texas. We've been all over the place. And I can say this, that I have never, we have never lived in a place where there is uh, more respect shown than here, like for elderly people. And just in general, this place, Acadiana, is like in our, in our minds of the good things that stick out, like the respect that's like, it's ingrained in the culture. I mean, most all of y'all, if you find somebody that's maybe five days older, you're going to call that person Mr. So-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, or Mrs. So-and-so. That's just the way that you are, right? This is a very respectful culture overall. Now, there are some exceptions, right? You're thinking about people, well, if you knew, okay. There are exceptions, but I'm saying that I've never lived in a place like this where respect is shown to the degree it is here. It's pretty incredible, okay? But you were trained that way, to, 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 to talk that way, weren't you? You were raised that way, if you're that way, probably. Well, we do that because, well, we want to show honor where honor is due, don't we? And young people, let me help you. Make sure that you go out of your way to show honor to the elderly, honor to those who are aged. How many of y'all know they've lived long enough to earn it? Even if you don't know them, come on, old people, put your, no, I'm teasing, don't, I'm, I'm not calling old people. You know who you are, okay? Just because by virtue of how long you've lived, okay, you deserve to be shown honor, a little R-E-S-P-C-T. How many of y'all know you, you've earned it? And so, young people, let's make sure that we relate to people appropriately. If I'm sitting down and an older person comes, I will not stay seated. I will stand to show honor to the aged and offer my what? Now, how many of y'all know we do this at an earthly level? We should do this at an earthly level. And if we do this for people, if we do this for the aged and for the elderly, how much more should we show honor and respect for the one who has no beginning, the one who has no end, for the ancient of days, God himself, God Almighty? How many of y'all know he deserves our greatest honor and respect? And here's the caution. Here's the caution. That in some cases, people can get so chummy with God that they lose sight of the fact that he is God Almighty. Now, for those of you who want to pick this apart and you're thinking about other scriptures that may contradict that, let me, let me just say that. Say this. Jesus says we're the friends of God. But how many of y'all know that doesn't mean that we should treat God as a common thing? We don't treat Jesus as a common person. How many of y'all know there's nothing common about Jesus? There's nothing common about the Father. God is the eternal God, and there is no one like him. So we have to be careful in our preaching, in our praying, in our living with our lips and our lives that we recognize the one in whose presence we stand and sit and live, we live quorum Deo in the presence of God. Therefore, watch, I'm going to show, we should approach the Father, yes, with great confidence. 
How many of y'all know you can go right before the Father on the basis of Jesus the Son? You can go anytime, anywhere, any place on Jesus' merit, and you stand completely righteous before the Father. You should go with confidence. But don't forget when you go to go before him with a deep sense of reverence for the one that you stand before, the one in whose presence you live and do life. Are y'all with me today? This is the way that it works. And so Jesus wants us to approach God with great confidence, but he also wants us to live. He wants us to pray with a deep sense of reverence, a sense of awe, a sense of, whoa, God, you are amazing. That's how Jesus wants us to relate. But here's the question I want to work out for a while. Who is God? Who is God according to the Lord's prayer? Well, Jesus says that God is once again, whose father? He's our father. Pater in Greek, Abba in Aramaic, in the original. But it comes across, of course, in English. He is our, our father. He's not just mine. He's our father. He's the father of all, watch this, who have been born again. Someone says, well, isn't God the father of every person in the world? And the answer is no. God is the creator of all. But read John 8, Jesus looks at some, uh, well, some Jews who are giving him some trouble. And he says, you, you are of your father, the devil. Well, that's a hard saying, isn't it? So not everybody is a child of God. How do you become a child of God? You become a child of God by believing in Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're born into this world spiritually dead, alienated from God. But watch, when you're born again, you're born from above into a new family with full rights to access the Father because of the power of the Spirit on the basis of Jesus' blood and His righteousness. You, I, we get to call God our Father. He's my Father, but He's yours. He's our Father. No matter where you've been, no matter how, how, how much you've sinned, it doesn't matter the, the depths of the depravity, how low you've sunk, thank God for Jesus that he forgives us. The Father, through Christ, forgives us. Therefore, we have direct access to God. You don't have to work yourself up. You don't have to jump through a bunch of hoops. You believe in Jesus, the one true only Son of God, and the Son gives you access to the Father. Are y'all with me? So you're in relationship with the Father on the basis of Jesus' blood, on the basis of the Son. You're born again by the Holy Spirit, born again into a living hope, born again into the family of God, born again with adopted privileges that give you the opportunity to go before God and plead your case, to state your cause, to go before him, and the Father will listen because you are his children. Man, this is good. So we say, yeah, he's my father, but he's ours. We are the children of God who have been bought with an incredible price. And so Jesus begins in this prayer by getting this out. Okay, he's our father. Here's where I want you to begin. Our father. So, so make sure we're well-rounded and approaching this from every angle. We should see him as our father. And we should go to him with great confidence because he loves us, because Jesus paid the price for us to go. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Everybody say confidence. Everybody say eagerness. 
like you should feel like right now, I can't wait to go to pray to my God. But let me, let me temper this. Let me balance this by also saying one more time. Yes, we should go with confidence. But Jesus says in this first line that our Father is not on earth, so to speak. Our Father is where? So this is the mystery of it all. The Holy Spirit dwells within. God lives in us. What a truth, huh? The highest heavens cannot contain God, but he takes up residence in us. But at the same time, the Bible teaches that, that the Father, our Father, is where? Where? Now, let me teach you a little bit here. The Scriptures teach this, that there are three heavens. The first heaven, the first heaven, everybody say first. First heaven. That's where the, the ducks fly. Come on, hunting season's coming up. And I won't see some of y'all for a while. Okay? I'm not, gonna, I'm not mad at you. Just get to church. The first heaven, the first heaven is where the, the ducks and the birds fly. Let's go a little bit higher. The first heaven is where the clouds reside. The second heaven is where the stars reside. You see, we're going higher. The third heaven is where who resides? That's where God resides. Now, he's omnipresent, but the Bible, Jesus teaches that our Father is where? In heaven. You say, where's heaven? It's that way. <laughs> where? <laughs> way far away. But, but, but see this. See this with me. The God who appears to be far, far away is, is actually with us. Uh, our Father in heaven is, is very well aware of our needs here in the earth. So God is transcendent. He's big and he's beyond us. But he's also, how many of y'all are thankful for this? He is also intimately aware of and involved in the details of our lives. He knows the number of, of hairs on your head, or at least the ones that should be there. Come on, somebody. That will be restored in the new heaven and new earth. Praise God. He knows every detail about your life. So he's in heaven, transcendence, but he's also aware of and intimately involved in the details of our lives down to the follicle, the follicular level of our lives. He is aware. He is that kind of God. Well, Jesus, Jesus says that we should pray this way. Our Father, our Father, who is in heaven. Our Father, who is in where? Heaven. Whoa, stop for just a second. Because we're tempted to go further and just read through the prayer. Because God Almighty is in heaven. And because we are his creation here on earth. Listen, everyone. We should be very careful how we live in his presence. Okay? Not to earn salvation. You can't earn salvation. Not to keep your salvation, crossing T's and dotting I's, but it's just this sense of I am a child of God. This should be your heartbeat. Therefore, I, by faith, want to live in a way that shows honor and respect to the God who saved me from my sin. Shouldn't that be our heart's desire? So, Lord, with my lips and with my life, I want to 
honor you. Because how many of y'all know God certainly deserves all and more, all the honor that we give him? He is God, and he deserves it. So watch. My concern is that some people, some of us, perhaps this is you, you can be the judge of your own life, have gotten too chummy with God. Okay? Yes, we are friends. Yes. Yes, we're close. Yes, we are the sons of God. Yes. But sons should relate to their father with respect and honor to live in a way that shows that we not only love, but in a healthy way fear the God we serve. So, so, watch this. Ecclesiastes 5.2 gives us a great warning. Different context, clear warning. The writer says, Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is where? In heaven, and you are where? Therefore, let your words be... Do y'all receive that? Two of y'all, praise God. I know you do, I'm just messing with you. Take this as, 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 a, as a warning. Take this as a caution. Sometimes, well, people just talk flippantly and randomly and without giving any thought to what they're saying. That's with people, but sometimes we do that to God as well. The Bible says that God takes no pleasure in fools. You know who the fool is according to Scripture? Well, we could really draw this out. But for simplicity's sake, the fool is the person who talks on and on and on, who says whatever he or she wants to say without giving any attention or having any concern to the one in whose presence they say those things and do those things. It's just talking and talking and not being concerned about how they're talking and what they're doing. How many of y'all know we live as believers, quorum Deo, in the very presence of God? So we send emails in the presence of God. We text in the presence of God. We live in this presence. So out of that, Lord, I want to text and I want to email and I want to treat my wife and I want to treat my kids and the people in this congregation in such a way that brings honor to your name. Oh, and somebody will say, well, that's fear-based. No, it's not fear-based. In, in the unhealthy sense, it's honor-based. It's honor-based. God, you're God, and I'm not. Therefore, I'm going to, let's keep the lines where they need to be. Are y'all with me? So we must never forget who we're praying to. Ecclesiastes helps us with that. Never forget who you're praying to. God is not the man upstairs. God is not your heavenly homeboy. He is God Almighty, the one who had no beginning, the one who never will end. He is almighty, eternal God. And when your kids ask you, hey, mom, dad, who created? Your young kids ask, who created God? Let me give you an answer. Nobody created God. He always has been. He always will be. He is the eternal creator of all. Are y'all with me? This is big, like mind-blowing. He, he, he did not come into existence. He's always been in existence. He's God. So let's treat him that way. Let's show him the respect that he deserves, and this is the way it works at our level, at the earthly level. The higher the office, the higher respect we should show for that office. Amen? Even if you don't like the president, or the one before, the one to come, 
The higher the office, the more respect we show for the, for the office. How many of y'all know God Almighty holds the highest office? He is the supreme ruler of all. He is in heaven. He's the creator of all things. Therefore, we should address him as such. He is our Father, and He is in heaven. So here's the caution. Here's the caution. Go before the Father with great confidence, with your chin up. Know you're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. But when you go, don't forget to show reverence. Not just when you pray, but as you live. To live in a way that brings honor to His name. But I want you to understand me clearly at this point. Yes, we honor God by the way that we talk and the things that we say, by calling him who he is rightly, seeing that rightly. But, but listen carefully. This isn't just about praying the right words. This isn't like, okay, master the Lord's prayer, remember it, and just get the words right. Because if you get the words right and you show him honor with your mouth, then you're good. Then the prayer will work. Okay, that's actually not the way it works. If you're, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Jesus not only wants us to pray the right words, he also wants us to pray with the right heart. Did you get that? Not just the right words, but from the right what? From the right heart, with the right motivation. Well, this is scary. Isaiah 29 verse 13 says the following, this people... They draw near with their what? Y'all read it? Can y'all see it? Y'all talk to me with their what? And what does it say? Honor me with their... But where, where's the heart? Their hearts are where? In another parish. So you're coming, coming to church, saying the right things, showing honor to God here, drawing close with your mouth, honoring God, God, you're this, you're that, saying all the right things. But how many of y'all know, this is scary. You can do that with your mouth, but your heart can be far from the Lord. So this is a nice corrective of anyone who would think, oh, I've got the Lord's prayer in my back pocket. I can just pull it out and use it when I need to use it. Listen, the Lord's prayer is not a magical formula. How many of y'all know, God is not a genie in a bottle, Okay, some people have just relied on the Lord's prayer because it is, of course, such a powerful prayer. But, but, but Jesus is very clear. Jesus is very clear at this point that we, we can go to God freely. We can go to God with confidence, but we should also go with reverence. And we have to make sure, not just that the words are right, but that our hearts are in the right place. Because you can say one thing and your heart be somewhere else, embittered in a place of unbelief. And hey, on the other side, thank God you don't have to be perfect for your prayers to be answered. But still, God's word stands true. Don't just say the right things. Don't just have the right words. Pray for the right heart, the right motivation. So when you pray, when you have the right words and you have the right heart, that equals powerful prayer before your God. And so Jesus is really touching on some areas of our prayer life here. 
He's really, for me, showing me some things I haven't seen before. But listen, Jesus doesn't want us to pray the Lord's Prayer, get this, as a religious ritual. Jesus wants us to pray this prayer as a model of prayer from an authentic relationship with God. So I'm not just repeating the prayer. The aim is, Lord, I love the prayer, but God, by your Holy Spirit, I, I want to love the Lord of the prayer. <laughs> it's not just saying the Lord's prayer, but it's being submitted to the Lord's will. Did y'all get that? Submitted and surrendered to the Lord's heart. Lord, I, 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 not only, I not only want to get my prayer answered, but Lord, I want you. I want to be surrendered to you from that place. Then your prayer arises to God, and it's powerful. Y'all, what a privilege it is to go before the Father and Him hear us and respond even when our hearts aren't perfect. How many of y'all know there have been times in your life when your heart was wrong, but God still answered? Thank God for His grace, right? So we thank God for those times, but we should still want to grow. We should still want our hearts to be more and more and more in love with God. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? And so here we are with the words of Jesus. He's teaching us. Not all the details of what to pray, but it's a model of how to pray. Let's look at one petition, and then we'll be done. Some of y'all don't believe that, but that's what we're going to do. Let's look at one petition. Watch this. Jesus says that we should pray this way. Let's say it one more time. Our, our Father, say it with me. In Here's the next part. What? Hallowed be your, whoa, isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? Hallowed be your name. Now, if you're taking notes, the word hallowed means to make holy or to set apart. Now, in the context of God, we have to be careful here. How many of y'all know we don't, we don't make him holy. He is holy all by his eternal self. He is God. I don't make him holy. He is holy. What is holiness? What does it mean to be holy? It means that God is set apart from everything and everyone else. How many of y'all know God is in a league of his own? He is holy. He is righteous. He is love. He is God. And how many of y'all know he's good at being God? He's always been God. He'll always be God. So he is that way. But when Jesus says, pray, how would it be your name? Watch this. That is a declaration, but it's also really a petition. It's a request. It's God, I want the world to know who you are. You are holy. You are God. You are eternal. You are good. And Lord, my prayer, our prayer is that the world would see you for who you are and relate to you on that basis. Does that make sense? I mean, this is good stuff. So that's what it means in this petition when we say, hallowed be your name. That's a request. Because there are things in this world that have value, but not everyone recognizes the value. For example, there are certain sorts of rings, even diamonds. That you, the naked eye, you can look and be like, whoa, that's a nice ring. But someone with a trained eye who can look into that diamond can tell you just how much it's worth. How many of y'all know there are a lot of people who see God's worth, but there are a lot of people who don't see his worth? 
And you need a trained eye. You need, we need the power of the word, his word and his works and the right heart to lean in to say, God, this is who you are. Help me see you as who you are, as eternally valuable as God almighty. Because see, some of y'all, y'all see him that way. But there are many people who don't. And the people who don't treat him as a common thing. But to be holy is to be very uncommon. He is different than other. He is God Almighty. Jesus says when you pray, pray this way. Hallowed, hallowed be your name. May your name be set apart, Father, in all the world. You are, but may other people recognize you for who you are. And someone's name stands for who they are. For good or bad, better or worse, when you hear my name, Pastor Scott Adams, well, my name stands for what you know me to be. That's true of me, and that's also true of God. His name stands for who he is. So we should pray, Father, God, may your name be so sacred and so set apart in my life. May I live in such a way that all people will see that I see you as my great reward, as my eternal treasure. May people see the way we live, which isn't going to be perfect, but to see the one whom we love with our hearts, that they see that and walk away going, there is a God in heaven, and these people represent him well. That should be our heartbeat. But as we get ready to close, some of you may be wondering, okay, we're going to, should pray how to be your name, but what is God's name? What is God's name? But for just a few minutes, let me take you back to the Old Testament. There are a lot of places we could go. There are a lot of titles and names. But let me take you to one passage quickly. If you go to the Old Testament book of Exodus, and let me summarize a lot. The people of God were in bondage, and they had been for hundreds of years. In Egyptian captivity. Raise your hand if you've read Exodus. You've seen the Prince of Egypt. That'll count. Praise God. <laughs> They're in bondage. And who does God call as a deliverer? Who? Moses. But if you remember the story, Moses wasn't too sure of himself. And I, I kind of identify with that. Now, I, I've had people who think that I think too highly of myself or I'm too sure of myself. Let me just make it clear publicly. I'm not too sure of myself, but I am very, very sure of my God. And when God gives a call, he equips the call. But Moses says, well, you know, I have a speech impediment. You know, I have a st 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 stuttering problem, whatever that was. Moses had his own insecurities. And what did God say? I will be what? With you. That's all I need to know. I mean, that, there's, there, there's the truth. If God is with me, I don't care what stands in front of me. I don't care what obstacle is ahead of me. If God is for me and with me, that's all I need to know. So, come on, Moses, get it together. 
But God said, you're going to go. You're going to go to the people of Israel. You're going to go square off with the most powerful man on the planet, Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And in Exodus 3, 13 through 15, here's how it all goes down. Track with me. We're almost done. Then Moses said to God, if I come to the people of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me what? What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Now, at the human level, that's very frustrating, huh? Like, can you be a little more specific? I guess you are you. No one else can be you. You, you are you. If I were to say that to you, you are you. Oh, there's way more to it. He said, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Verse 15, God also said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, here it is. You can't see it up here because this is all caps. But here it is, the Lord, which appears in your English Bible in most translations as capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The Lord, we're told, the Lord, the God of your fathers, look at this, look at the generational aspect of this. The God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. So this is my name. God said that I'm to be what? To be what? remembered, remembered, remembered throughout all generations. What does that mean? It means this. God said, I am who I am. In Hebrew, eh, yeah, I share, eh, yeah, which, which means that I am who I am from the verb to be. It's God saying, I am, I always have been, I always will be. I, I didn't come into existence. I am, I always will be. God. And like we hear that, we're like, wow, what does that mean? It means this, that God, the one who always has been, the one who always will be, he made a promise to Abraham. And he not only had the desire to make the promise, he not only made the promise, but God Almighty had the power to keep his promise because he is God. Some of y'all are like, oh my gosh, I'm going to lose my job. I'm not going to have what I need. Listen to me. Your employer is not your ultimate source. Your employer ultimately is God Almighty, Jehovah Jireh. Your employer, your business might run dry, but you serve the eternal God who will never run dry. He was faithful then. He's faithful now, and he will always be faithful. He can't help himself but to be that way because he is God. Hello. Yeah, I share. Yeah, I am who I am. Always have been. I was faithful then. I'll be faithful now. Don't worry about the future. God says, I'll be there when you get there. <laughs> Don't worry about tomorrow. Let tomorrow worry about itself. You serve the God of all provision. You serve the God whose supply never runs dry because he's God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. 
of all things visible and invisible, God Almighty. Yahweh, verse 15, we're told, is his name, and keeping covenant is his game. His name is Yahweh. Yahweh. He said, that's my name. Let me, let me paraphrase. Don't forget it. It's my name. The name that I'm to be remembered by throughout all generations. And what we see as we read through the book of Exodus is that God set his name apart. How did he do that? Well, the same God who sent Moses to Pharaoh, that God is the one who judged categorically the false gods of Egypt, plague after plague after plague. They had their gods, but God raised up Moses to go forth. And one by one by one, God judged the false gods. And when God was done with it all, when all the false gods had fallen to the ground, there was no question who the true God of all creation was. It was Yahweh Elohim, the only God who demolished their gods and stood supremely over them as the ruler of heaven and earth. Oh, and I love what God says to Pharaoh in Exodus 9, 16, for this purpose, but for this purpose, I've raised you up, Pharaoh, to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. How many of y'all know when God was done, his name had been proclaimed in all of Egypt and everyone knew that he was the true God. So God not only gave him a name, he also, he performed works that helped them understand the power of the name. So when they thought of the name, when they thought of God, they thought of their deliverer. They thought of the one true living God who set them free. And therefore, rightly, the people of God had great respect for the name. So much so in latter generations, there are certain Jews who would not even utter or mention the name because it was so holy to them, they did not want to run the risk of misusing the name. Now, some people say, well, that's kind of extreme. Well, if I'm going to be extreme, it's going to be on the side of showing honor, not dishonor. But let's be balanced. Let's come to what the Bible says. This is my name that I'm, I'm to be remembered by forever. But then Jesus comes along and he says that when we pray, we should pray this way, our Father in heaven, what? How would be your how would it be your name? Father, may your name, may your name be known. May your name be proclaimed. May the world, may people in false religions come out of it to know that, Father, you are the one true God. May people arise in America, may revival come to America and know that money is not God. Politicians aren't God. That there are many names in this world, but the greatest name is God's name. And may that name be honored and revered in our lives. Yeah. Question. How does God hallow his name? How many of y'all know? God hallowed his name in the land of Egypt. 
through his words and his works. How does he hollow, hollow his name? Well, one of the ways, one of the ways that he does so is by answering our prayers. Maybe you've never put this together, but that's the clear logic of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. May your name be set apart. How does God hollow and set apart his name in your life? How? By you praying for the kingdom to come and his will to be done, by that happening in your life. How many of y'all are under the lordship of Jesus Christ today? You are under the authority of King Jesus. Let me see your hand. If you're not, praise God, I hope you get there today. Listen, that's an expression of the kingdom. You are in relationship with the Father. Jesus is your Lord. That is one way God has hallowed his name by saving you, by setting you free from the law of sin and death. He hallows his name by the coming of his kingdom, by his will being done here on earth as it is in heaven. He hallows his name by giving you your daily bread. How many of y'all know in Exodus, he rained down manna from heaven. And how many of y'all know today, he's still raining down manna and provision for you. You thought there was no way, but God made a way. And when he does, that's your opportunity to hallow his name. He hallows his name by forgiving your sins. He hallows his name by keeping you from temptation, by delivering you from evil, from the evil one, Pharaoh in the Old Testament, Satan in the New Testament. How many of y'all know God hallows his name by answering our prayers? And when he does so, that's your moment to step up and say, that wasn't me, that was my God. Listen, when you got healed, when you experienced the breakthrough, someone's like, whoa, I got lucky. No, you didn't get lucky. You got blessed by the power and authority of heaven. That's your moment to say the God of heaven and earth, my father, Jesus, his son, the power of the spirit was at work, if not for God. So how would it be his name? Are y'all tracking? That's how he hallows his name. At least one set of ways. But we hallow his name as mentioned, as I just said. But let me say it this way, then we're done. By honoring God with our lips and with our lives, not just praying the Lord's prayer, but also by surrendering to the Lord's will. So in your coming and in your going, living in a way that shows the world that God is your greatest treasure. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his words will never pass away. Living in a way that shows the world that you treasure him more than anything this world can give you. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of your God abides forever. Your God abides forever. And I don't know about y'all, but I want to live in such a way, not just preach. Preaching's easy. I want to live in a way at home, in the secret place. I want to live in such a way to make sacrifices in such a way that shows to the world that Jesus is my very great I want to live in such a way that brings honor to his Father's name. And so in the second part, all this is what I wanted you to know. 
But finally, here's what I want you to do. In all your coming and in all your going, in all your praying and all your giving and all your working and all your speaking and all, all that you do, I want to challenge you all to do your best to give your heavenly Father the R-E-S-P-C-T that he deserves. To live that way every day of your life by faith in Christ and the power of the Spirit. Y'all receive that? How many of y'all know he deserves it? He deserves it. I want you to lift your hands with me right now. Father, you deserve it. And more, more than we could ever give. You deserve it. We honor you. We honor your presence here today. We honor you as Father. You have adopted us through Jesus Christ into this family. We honor you for that. We thank you. Just be still in his presence for just a minute. Sometimes, even in corporate prayer, we can rush. We can treat these moments as common moments. But Father, we thank you. There is nothing common about you. Father, we thank you. We can come before you with confidence. But I'm praying that as we leave today, we would also approach you with great reverence. The Lord is in his holy habitation, in his holy temple. Let all the earth be still and be quiet before him to acknowledge that he alone is God. your eyes closed and your heads bowed. Some of you here, you, you've heard me preach and you're like, that's great, that's awesome. But the truth is, some of you here, you don't really have a relationship with the Father. You're separated from God because of your sin. And your unbelief has kept you from God. But you want, after hearing the Word of God preached today, you want, you want God to be your father. You want to be a child of God. And with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, please hear me, hear me, hear me. Some of you here, you are loaded, loaded down with guilt and shame in this performance mentality. You think, oh, I've, I've said this prayer, but in order to really be right with God, I've got I've to do this, I've got to do that, I've got to clean myself up. No, no, forget all of that today. Forget all that today, right now right now in God's presence. If you say, Pastor Scott, I believe in Jesus. I believe in God and I want a relationship with him. It does not matter where you've been or what you've done on the bad side, on the good end. How many times you've prayed the Lord's prayer? It doesn't matter. Right now is what counts. Right now, if you do not have a relationship with the Father, you can begin one right now. Oh, there's so much grace in this place for you. 
So with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, you say, Pastor Scott, I want to begin a relationship with the Father. I want this prayer to be one that I really mean. You say, I want to become a child of God today. Well, you can as you place your faith in Jesus. Right now, if that's you with your eyes closed and your heads bowed, you say, Pastor Scott, I want a relationship with God. I'm not leaving this place until I start one. On the count of three, I want you just to slip up your hand and say, that's me, Pastor Scott. One, two, three. If that's you, raise your hand right now. Say, that's me right now. I want...